Hey, it's Stephen Amell, the Green Arrow, and you're listening to the Earth 2 Podcast. David. Yes, Peter. Do you remember last year when we did the episode The Lord of Batman, where Batman inherits a Scottish castle as a lovely Hogmanay treat for our listeners? Yes, I do. And it was your first proper experiment with sound effects and what have you, and we did it in the studio, and it was all sorts of fun, and we recorded it months in advance. Yes, I do remember. And do you remember also how we've often spoken about how the Golden Age Green Arrow is basically just like a, a knockoff version of Batman? People have said such things, but I'm kind of more Team Ollie than some folk, but I, I can concede and see people's point, mm. yes. Well, given that, you'll never guess what I've found. Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly exploration of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Logan McFarlane. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's that time of year again. We're going to do a story for you now from issue 46 of World's Finest Comics, published way back in 1950. Cover's quite interesting. Batman, Robin and Superman as kites being flown by some children. Yes. Quite amusing. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing that story. No. As hinted, we are doing the Green Arrow story from this issue. Yes, we have an opening scene setting splash panel, which shows Green Arrow and Speedy. Walking through the gate of, I mean, it doesn't look like a Scottish castle to me, to be honest. It looks like something off of one of the Magnificent Seven movies. Mm. But there's some men who seem to be dressed like medieval soldiers or peasants, wearing suits of armour or like they've escaped from a cheap version of a Robin Hood or a Three Musketeers movie. They're all ranged about and they're holding spears and axes and big sticks, ready to pounce on Green Arrow and Speedy, who are walking in behind a bagpipe player. Gasp. A kilted bagpiper. Yes. I'm leaving a pause for the bagpipe music now, listeners. Yes. There we go. Now, we also have a scene-setting caption. When Oliver Queen and his young ward, Roy Harper, inherit a castle in Scotland, things start happening. As the Emerald Archer team of Green Arrow and Speedy, who have sent their arrows ripping through the underworld, they now face a cunning villain and the shadow of an ancient crime. And it takes all the skill of the Ace Archers as they try to erase the Mark of Dishonor stamped upon... Sir Oliver Queen of Dorney Castle. Fantastic. Story page two, caption for panel one. One night as those ace archers, Green Arrow and Speedy, arrive home in their arrow car. Yes, none of your hidden entrances to the Batcave or anything like that for Ollie and Roy. Nope, as their yellow arrow car speeds through the open gate into wherever it is Oliver lives, speeding along up the, the drive. From inside the car, Oliver says, Glad we're home, Speedy. I'm ready for some sleep. You won't get much sleep with that racket going on. Sounds like a cat fight. And Roy is, of course, referring to some more bagpipe sounds. Pressing a button, the master bowmen are catapulted upwards. Yes, the car's drawn to a halt outside the house and Ollie has activated the ejector seat which sends him and Speedy flying up into the air. Green Arrow says, I can see a visitor in the drawing room. Better take a fast trip upstairs and change clothes. This catapult is better than an elevator. And we can see, in silhouette through the, the window of the ground floor room, someone who's playing the bagpipes. Swiftly changing to their everyday garb of Oliver Queen and his wart Roy Harper, 
They return downstairs to greet their mysterious guest. Yes, both looking very smart now. Ollie and Roy both in blue suits. Roy wearing a normal sort of, looks like a single-breasted, single-buttoned suit jacket and a tie, but Oliver's wearing a red bow tie, which is quite smart. Mm. Bow ties are cool. As they enter the room, Oliver says, A Scotch bagpiper. So that's the cat fight we heard. Yes, and this older-looking Scotsman, who looks like... Very much like every person that I would see on the street on a daily basis with his kilt and his bagpipes to his side and his craggy face and his Brillo pad sideburns and eyebrows. Doffs his tartan bonnet, bows to Ollie Roy and says, Oliver Queen, 8th Earl of Dorney, defender of the clan and master of Dorney Castle. Greetings. I'm Oliver Queen, but aren't you a little mixed up about the rest? No, lad. I've crossed the ocean to tell you that Sir Ronald Queen's death makes you, Oliver, master of Dorney Castle in Scotland. You're to go at once to settle the estate. And so, weeks later, in the little town of Lochmead, Scotland... Yes, this is a great panel. In the background, we can see Lochmead Railway Station. We can see the railway track, the silhouetted forms of Oliver Queen and Roy Harper. They've stepped off, they've got their luggage. In the foreground, we can see three... Older Scotsmen, all smoking pipes. We'll assume they're all Scotsmen. One of them doesn't look like a Scotsman. He's got a bit of a gangster hat. There's another chap with a yellow scarf and a green jacket and a brown cap. He's got pipes. Another guy with a tartan bonnet. They're all in the foreground, but in the background, standing on the station platform, Ollie and Roy. Roy says, How do we find this castle? There's no one here to meet us. Let's ask directions from those Highlanders over there. They approach the three Scotsmen. Excuse me, could one of you gentlemen direct me to Dorney Castle? And the gangster-looking one in the yellow hat, who's smoking a pipe, replies, Ignore him. He must be the heir. And the chap with the craggier face and the green jacket, we can now see he's wearing a kilt. He replies, Another member of the Queen clan, eh? The curse of McBride on you. A moment later, in the wee heather haberdashery... I wonder if that's a, a reference to the former Report in Scotland weather broadcaster, Heather Reid. I believe it is. Maybe that's who she was based on. Mm, yes. Yes, Oliver and Roy have entered this local establishment. We can see a child peering through the glass watching them. We can see all sorts of authentic Scottish clothes on hangers and in shelves all round. There's a, a mighty whiskered elderly Scots gentleman behind the counter with another chap wearing a spectacular tartan piece of headgear standing to the side. Oliver is saying, Not a very warm welcome. Maybe we'll have better luck here. Excuse me, sir. I'm Oliver Queen, and I... Queen? I'm not sell them anywheres, and I'll not have one of them in my store. The cross of McBride on you, says the old man behind the counter, obviously dismissing them completely. By panel two, only in Roy are outside, and they've approached a very small Scottish child wearing a red cap with a sort of yellow feather in it. Very authentic. This is the sort of thing that um, Logan wears in his day off. Mm-hmm. Oliver then says, See, what's the matter with this town? Well, let's try again. And he says to the child, Can you direct us to Dorney Castle? Follow the high road to the fork, and take a right, and straight up the hill. Oh, you must be the new master, a cosmic bride on you. Following the boy's directions, Oliver and Roy walk several weary miles, and then... They've arrived. This is all very picturesque. It looks like the view from my living room window, quite frankly. A nice, fancy castle with lots of towers and what have you. It looks like something from an old Robin Hood movie. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oliver and Roy, still in their civvies, still carrying their cases, have emerged. There's a path up the castle. Roy points and says, There it is! Tony Castle! It looks rather ominous. Doesn't it, Oliver? From the way the town folk acted, there's something very strange about Dorney, and about the clan of Queen. And who's this McBride character? 
A moment later, as the castle's huge oaken doors swing open... Yes, they've arrived, and they've been greeted by a gentleman, dressed like a butler, basically, who bows his head as he opens the door and says, Welcome to Dornee, Master Oliver. I am Ian, the groundskeeper. I'll take your bags. Dinner will be ready shortly. Funny, the groundskeeper should be acting as butler, but at least he's friendly. Thinks Oliver, who then says... Thank you, Ian. And a slow dissolve for the final panel of page three. Later, in the great dining hall... Yes. Looks just like my dining room, to be honest. Does it look like your dining room, Peter? Almost perfect. Yeah. Yes. With the the sideboard and the big painting and the the crossed axes and shield on the wall and a big Mm. wooden ceiling and the huge windows with the massive green curtains. And it's a massive long dining table with candles and stuff all over it. And all of us sat at one side. Roy sat at the other. We can see Ian bearing in their dinner on a little tray. Roy is saying... Say, Oliver, can you hear me down at that end? I hear you, but don't ask me to pass the salt. I don't feel like taking a long hike. Lol, the first panel of page four, Ian is standing next to Oliver. We were told that the castle would be fully staffed when we arrived. Where are the other servants, Ian? I will take care of your needs, Master Oliver, but I cannot answer any questions. Midnight, and the two Americans retire to the master bedchamber when they hear... Yes, there is the wailing sound again. Oliver and Roy are obviously in the process of getting ready for their kip. Oliver's taking off his tie, Roy's taking off his jacket, and as the the bagpipe interruption begins, Roy says, Bagpipes? Who could be playing at this hour? Let's step out on the balcony and have a look. So they move outside, and the caption reads, Suddenly... And there's a... Sound effect, as an arrow flies past them and embeds itself in the window frame. Roy says, Look out, Oliver! Wow, that was close. You stay here in case anyone comes, Roy, while Green Arrow chases after the man who fired that shaft. Moments later, a green-clad bowman streaks over the ancient parapets and across the inky black waters of the castle's moats. This is great. Oliver on a line, swinging down over the moat. We can see the drawbridge down. That's cool. We've not the drawbridge, I think, since the JLA-JSA crossover during the summer, so that's not fun. As he swings down on the rope, Green Arrow is thinking... No need wasting time with the drawbridge when I can take the Aeroline Express. The Aeroline Express, of course, supported menswear at Birmingham Foundry in 1996. I slowed us all the caption for the next panel. Reaching the end of his spectacular glide, the master marksman spots a giant figure disappearing into the shadows of a nearby wood. And a darkly silhouetted figure wearing a hat and a cape and obviously a kilt can be seen moving towards us. Green Arrow watched him go, saying, There he goes! I'll never catch him in those woods! Caption, however, for the next panel reads... Suddenly, something catches his eye. Green Arrow reaches down and picks up an old-school, old-style-looking crossbow and thinks... Hmm, an ancient arbalest. With this mechanical device, even a small boy could shoot an arrow from here to the highest towers. Ah, presumably that's the device then. It's just found an arrow that struck the window pane a couple of panels earlier. Interesting. A slow dissolve. The following morning... And we see Ian... Looking very smart, white tie, with Oliver and Roy. Roy's gone blonde in this panel. A couple of suits of armour in the background, just like the suits of armour I have over in the corner. Yes, uncanny. Our YouTube viewers should be able to see that. Mm. Ian is saying, Oh, Mr Oliver, Mr Roy, I didn't know you were up yet. Look, Ian, nobody in Lockmead will speak to me. Last night somebody tried to kill me. Why? Why? What have I done? Ian crosses to a door, takes out a key. Sticks it in the lock, unlocks the door, and as he's doing this, he's saying, I was hoping to avoid this, but very well. This room will explain much that's happened since you arrived in Scotland. We see Ian gesturing towards a series of paintings, which very helpfully are labelled. The first one is of a very 
fancily bearded and haired chap called Robert Queen, first Earl of Dornay. And we can see that he's basically wearing a sort of a red-orange cap and very primitive-looking sort of tunic and sort of skirt-type outfit. The next chap, Ronald Queen, wears blue boots which come up past his knees. He's a red sash, also has the, the blonde hair, blue sort of tunic. Sandy Queen, the third Earl of Dornay, he is wearing a sort of green sort of sash and a red kilt, white military-looking jacket, the red sort of cross hatch type thing going over it. Very, very interesting. Ian is gesturing each of these in turn and saying, These are your ancestors, Oliver Queen. Over there is the founder of the clan, Robert Queen, first Earl of Dornay. But what has that got to do with the townsfolk's hatred for me? And the camera tracks in towards Sir Robert for panel four, and we hear Ian saying, Sir Robert was known from the Highlands to the English Channel for his fierce and uncontrollable temper. He became particularly fierce when he caught poachers on his land. And we see Sir Robert yelling at a couple of ne'er-do-wells who are running away from him. They've obviously been using a bow and arrows to attack his animals or whatever else is going on in his land. And as they run off, Sir Robert shouts, And if ever you set foot in this land again, I'll have your lives. Now be gone with you. He narrates the caption for the first panel on page six. One day, his neighbour, Angus McBride, came to Dorney on a peaceful mission. However, we see Angus McBride with a couple of his assistants or associates, and Angus McBride is tipping forward. One of his young men cries, Master McBride, what is it, sire? Robert Queen took him for a poacher and shot him down in cold blood. And we see indeed that Robert Queen is bearing a mighty, massive big bow in his hands. He's obviously not happy. Ian's narration for panel two. For that act... Angus McBride's son swore vengeance on the Queen's, and the town has sided with the McBrides ever since. And we get a nice shot of the young Master McBride, tears streaming down his face and shaking his fist as he says, My father's death will be avenged, Robert Queen. My sons and their sons will forever continue the fight against your clan. And we return to Ian, who does a Peter Cushing index finger extension and says, My family alone has remained loyal to the Queen's. You're the last of the Queen's, Mr Oliver. And there remains but one McBride, Owen. Beware of Owen McBride, sir. Moments later, Oliver plans a new line of action. Oliver has once again got into his Green Arrow outfit. Roy's still in his civvies, and Roy's still blonde, both pointing out in this panel. We can see the beautiful detailing and the, the rooms around them. Another big painting in the wall. Green Arrow is saying, Perhaps Green Arrow can settle this feud where generations of queens have failed. Wait here, Roy. Since we're the only strangers in town, someone may guess our identity if we appear together. Very shrewd, Oliver. Mm. A slow dissolve. Presently, en route to the McBride Castle. As Green Arrow walks along, suddenly three men on horseback ride past. Green Arrow cries, Gadzooks! The Campbells are coming! The chap on the first horse is wearing a sort of yellow jumper and a nice red tartan scarf and bonnet. His pals, one is dressed in blue, another one also dressed in yellow. But this chap at the front, waving his crossbow, cries, Tally ho! Hootmon! Final panel, page six. He's got off his horse and he's saying to Green Arrow, Forgive us. In the excitement of the hunt, we near run you down. I'm Owen McBride, and who might you be, stranger? I'm called the Green Arrow in America. I fight evil with my bow and arrow. My friend Oliver Queen asked me to call on you and urge you to forget ancient wrongs. Raising his time-worn bow, the young Scot sends an arrow deep into the heart of a venerable oak. Doesn't look that venerable, to be honest, does it? It's, it's quite a skinny, yeah. <laughs> skinny tree. A venerable twig. Yes. As Owen McBride files, he says, So you're an archer come to settle our traditional feud. Here's a chance to prove your worth. How far can you sink an arrow into that sturdy oak? 
Johnson as he fires into between. Owen's pal says, A bonnie shot, Owen. Your arrow is driven home fair to its guide feathers. Borrowing Owen McBride's crossbow, the ace archer steals himself for the ancient test. Yes, Green Arrow brings the bow up to sort of sight on the oak and he thinks, McBride's a strong bowman. If I'm to win his confidence, I'll have to show something special. Here goes. Like a bolt of lightning, the master marksman's arrow rips into the thick tree trunk and... Yeah, there's a sound effect. It's basically the arrow cuts the tree in half, comes right out the other end. One of McBride's compatriots says... He split the tree in two, and the guy in blue says, The lads of the Thirsty Thistle Cafe will never believe it when we tell him. This leads Owen McBride himself to comment, Congratulations, Green Arrow, you've more than proved yourself. Owen steps forward, shake hands with Green Arrow in the next panel, patting him on the shoulder, saying, Tell Oliver Queen that I wish him no harm. Since I was a wee lad, I've hoped to end this senseless feud. He'll be very happy to hear that, Mr. McBride. Awesome. They shake hands. Later, back at Dorney Castle. Yes, we see Oliver and Roy in service, walking along past the row of suits of armour, and Oliver is saying, Owen appears to be a very nice chap, but one thing still bothers me. If he always wanted to end the feud, why did he shoot that arrow at me last night? And Oliver's cut off as, all of a sudden, one of the suits of armour brings down its massive pike shaft down on Oliver and Roy's heads. <coughs> Roy's hair is turned brown with the shock. Good grief, indeed. <laughs> the first panel of page eight, they're both lying stretched out on the ground. We see that the three armoured figures have all stepped off their plinths and walked towards the unconscious forms of Ollie and Roy. The first one says, These two will not move for a time. Follow me. We'll wait on the wall for their green arrow friend. A while later... Oliver has regained consciousness. He's rubbing the back of his head as he supports Roy, who still seems to be out. And his blonde hair again. Yep. Fascinating. Maybe the, the impact wore off and that's what mm. happened. But anyway, Oliver is thinking, Oh, my head. Whoever hit us must have hidden in that suit of armour. Roy won't come round for several minutes. This is another job for Green Arrow. Soon atop one of the castle's battlements. Yes, the three armoured figures are suddenly made up there. They're standing next to what looks like a giant pot, to be honest. Down on the ground, Green Arrow's rushing towards them. One of the armoured figures can be heard saying, Tis the Green Arrow. He's coming straight towards us. And his friend replies, Well, we're ready for him. Here, one of you help me with this kettle. Meanwhile... And down on the ground, Green Arrow can be seen firing arrows into the wall of the battlements, one above the other. And he thinks, A few more metal-tipped arrows and I'll have a ladder leading right up to those refugees from a masquerade party. But when the champion marksman starts his climb... He starts to climb, and suddenly he's deluged. It's not quite clear what's pouring on him, but thankfully, the voice from above says, Pity we didn't have time to boil this water. Now, to get down there after him. As the water deluges Green Arrow, he says, I should have remembered how they defended the castles in the old days. It's back in the ground indeed for the final pile of page 8. is the very, very quickly moving armoured figures mm -hmm. brush out of an open door towards him. He must have practised running about in these suits of armour. Anyway, because I know that mine's actually weighs a ton. If I have to put it on the ground to the shops, it takes me ages to get down the stairs. Green Arrow draws another arrow indeed, saying, An ordinary arrow might bounce off that armour, but these grape-shot arrows should give them a bang. We see the two armoured figures that have emerged being struck in the head with a couple of arrows. The first one exclaims, Hootmon, we're caught in a hailstorm. His pal says, don't take your helmet off. There's some brilliant ping ratatat sound effects as they're struck. Under the battling bowman's ear-splitting barrage, the armoured-clad figures quickly retreat. Green Arrow rushes after them, saying, They ducked into a secret opening in the wall leading to this corridor. Funny, I can't hear the clanking of armour as they run. 
Abruptly, from a shadowed ledge above... There is a massive... As one of the armoured figures leaps out and tackles Green Arrow, bearing him to the ground. We see one of the other armoured figures has opened a trapdoor in the ground as his compatriot drags the unconscious Green Arrow towards the hole. We can see that they've also attached a ball and chain <gasps> to his left leg. The suited and booted and armoured figure that's lifting up the trapdoor is saying, Lower him through this secret trapdoor. That iron weight will soon end our archer friend's career. Then I'll go back to finish off Oliver Queen. And then the next panel, we see that Green Arrow has been dropped through this open trapdoor, and he comes to consciousness underwater, basically, he thinks. A river running under the castle to the moat. Can't hold my breath much longer. As he's being held by the ball and chain, he must have lungs of steel not to have drowned already. Mm. Then he notices something on the, on the bottom of the river to his right and thinks, What's this? Ah, a discarded bagpipe. Got to work fast. As the swift current carries the bound bowman to the moat... Very cleverly, Oliver has grabbed a piece of the pipe and is stuck in his mouth and stuck the other end out of the top of the water so he can breathe. Thank goodness for that. Yay. He's now struggling with the fastening of the ball and chain around his ankle as he's thinking... I'm able to breathe now. Must free myself and reach Roy before those tin soldiers discover Oliver Queen's gone. Finally freeing himself, the master archer moves swiftly. Green Arrow has obviously fired a line, fired a rope up to him in Roy's rooms, and he's climbing up, thinking, There's our balcony. I've got to change to Oliver Queen before they reach Roy. Seconds later, we see Roy, still on his knees, still just about coming to consciousness. His hair looks as if it's returned to normal, just by this point. He's rubbing his head and saying, Oh, what hit? Oliver, look out! Roy's cried out Oliver because Green Arrow is suddenly a time to switch back to civvies. He's thinking, Looks like I switched identities and got here just in time. And he says that just as an armoured figure bearing a spear bears down towards him and Roy. And as the armoured assailant flees, Suddenly, Owen McBride, Ian the, the groundsman and another chap dressed in blue enter the room. Ian is saying, Mr McBride and some friends are here, Master Oliver. He says he received a message that you wanted to meet him. Which Roy says, Quite a fast change out of that armoured monkey suit, McBride. Oliver then steps forward, grabbing Ian's arm and saying, Excuse Roy, Mr. McBride. There's been a little costume party here, and this armour powder and Ian's sleeve tells us who's really been masquerading. Yes. Ian replies, saying, All right. I did try to kill you, Oliver Queen. And if you'd been unconscious a moment longer, I'd have succeeded. If a queen was killed, the town of Thinker McBride did it. And with the last queen gone, my brothers and I would have Dorney Castle to ourselves. Mr. McBride doesn't look too happy here. He says, So you sent me a forged message to come here, Ian, to make sure I'd be suspected. Oliver looks on at this, a slow dissolve for the final caption. And so, several days later, en route to America... Roy and Oliver, on the boat, standing at the rail on the decking. Roy is saying, You were so busy turning Dorney into a public hospital, Oliver. I haven't had time to ask. What's armor powder? <laughs> There's no such thing, Roy. I found the real clue is Green Arrow. The culprit knew the castle's secret passages perfectly, yet no McBride had visited Dorney in centuries. That reminds me, when we arrive home, I must send Ian a cable signed Green Arrow. He still thinks I drowned. And a tiny caption reads, The, the End. Well, that was all very abrupt right at the end, wasn't it? <laughs> Roy's info dump there turns the, turn the castle into hospital. That's all good. That's very noble. Um, mm. Mr. McBride wasn't one of the people. It was, it was Ian all along in the suits of armour with his pals. 
gosh, Ian was a trickster. The butler did it. The butler did indeed do it. My goodness. Is that the first instance of such things that we've had? I think it is, actually. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes, that's it. Huh? Probably. Oh, well, listeners, thank you for listening to us in 2023. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you'll join us in 2024. Hope you've enjoyed this little Scottish Hogmanay flavoured interlude. Indeed. Have a wonderful new year and you'll hear more from us next year. You certainly will as we enter our... Our fifth calendar year of releasing episodes. Gasp. My goodness. Gasp. I thought we'd be finished by now. <laughs> Not to worry. Another 15 years at least should do it. Listeners, all the best. Take care. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon on the, the Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. You threw me by not having me describe the cover. I had it up in the cover. All right. <laughs> I know. Well, that's fine. It's subversion. It's Cool. My family alone has remained loyal to the Queen's. You're the last of the Queen's, Mr. Queen. Oh, sorry. You're the last of the Queen's, Mr. Oliver. <laughs>